Now I'd like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Andrew. Hi everybody, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. I will uh, get my numbers out of the way just to start out. Um, my numbers are that I have been in program since September 3rd of the year 2000. And since that date, I have lost about 240 pounds. And, uh, God took care of that for me. I wish I could claim that one. Um, and I have been abstinent since uh, October 4th of 2004. So there were, there's been a couple of abstinences in there, but uh, currently I am, I am abstinent since that date. So I want to express a big debt of gratitude to this particular meeting. I've been physically at this meeting a couple of times in the past six and a half years. Um, but I have been at this meeting dozens of times. I travel quite extensively for business, and um, sometimes I travel to India on business. And in the place that I go to in India, there are no OA meetings. There's no AA meetings really either. And so I, um, I listen to this meeting on the web, and I've downloaded it to my computer, and you know I have access so that I can download more week by week. And it has saved my butt. I'm in a groove in India. I get up. Uh, our people there work from 2 to 11 p.m. so they can overlap with the U.S. And so my mornings are free, and I get up, and I walk on the treadmill, and I listen to this meeting. It's my groove. It's what I do every single day when I'm there. And it is such a great way to start out my day, and it has really just been a godsend. So thank you to all of you who are regulars, and thank you to all who have spoken at this meeting in the past or, or been a part of this or organized this or anything. It's all good. Um, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately about freedom. You know, they promised me freedom when I came into this program. And um, freedom has meant a lot of different things to me over the course of my life. I'm 46 years old, almost 47 in a month or two. And, you know, the family that I was born into um, was a family where I got beat up a lot. And I got beat up more than just physically. I mean, I got beat up emotionally and spiritually and just, you know, verbally. You know, I mean, it was, it was sort of a mantra of, you know, you're fat, stupid, and ugly, you know, kapow. And um, it was, um, it was rough. My my real true nature, as I find out, is sort of a, as an upbeat, happy person, um, sort of outgoing. You know, all of, all of those things that got beat out of me as a kid is who I really am and who I am again, thank God. But the freedom that I needed to find to work through that as a kid was in the food. And food gave me freedom, gave me freedom to live and to survive. And I used it. <laughs> I used it, uh, you know, to its utmost. You don't get to weigh, you know, 240 pounds more than this uh, without really believing in food as an answer. And uh, it, was, it was an answer. It was survival for me, and it worked. Um, it worked up to a point, of course. So, um, you know, how did, how, did it, how did it come to be that I got beat up? I mean, I grew up in a family with two parents. My parents are school teachers. Um, I have a brother. I have a sister. There's a white picket fence out front. You know, the whole, the whole bit. How did, how did that really happen? 
took me a lot of time and a lot of years and some outside help for me to kind of put it all together and figure it all out. Um, my mom was pretty indifferent. Um, this is a good weekend to talk about moms. Um, and I'll get back to her. Um, but uh, the truth is she was pretty indifferent. She wasn't. She, she really didn't care too much for children. And interesting that she was a school teacher, but, you know, that, that's her story. She poured what energy she had as far as, as kids into, into her teaching. She took very great pride. She was a workaholic, and she had some isms, I'm sure, too, just like we all have other ones. Um, and she, she really enjoyed her job. So that left Dad to be kind of the mothering influence um, in our family. He was very mothering. He was also a school teacher. He loved kids. He especially loved babies. And uh, I was the third kid in my family, and I was the baby, and I was permanently the baby once I was born. And so when I was born, the babyhood was taken away from my older brother, who had been getting all of the love and attention from the one sort of caregiver that there was, had, there was available. It took me years to figure all this out. And um, he was enraged. He was absolutely enraged to have the only love he knew sucked away by some new fat, stupid, and ugly little baby. And um, he poured all that rage on to me. And that's what he did. And he was dedicated to it. He made every single minute that he could possibly make miserable, miserable. He, you know, and that was what he needed to do to survive. That was his freedom, evidently. So it was, it was hard. Um, ultimately, mom's indifference brother's mantras of fat, stupid, and ugly became my voice. It became me talking to myself. It became, why would I care about you? You are ridiculous. You're stupid. You're bad. You're wrong. And I didn't need them anymore. You know, they still did it. They still had their, their little path in life that they were following as far as this goes. But ultimately, it didn't take long for me to take on the responsibility for beating myself up. And, um, and I did a really good job of that, you know. That's part of my story. Um, so, you know, on my theme of freedom, I developed tools to get through my childhood besides food. Food was primary. It was critical for me. But the tools that I used, I felt so small. I told myself I was small. I heard it all the time. I was ignored by the person who should love me the most. And... I, I needed to feel bigger. I needed to feel important. And so, as adults, you know, it's funny, we can all think of ways to feel, to feel great about ourselves and take care of ourselves. As a kid, I didn't have those tools. The tools I had were food, of course. But there was talking about you, and there was gossiping, and there was stealing from you. You had something that I wanted, well, to make me feel better, I needed to have that thing. I didn't need to worry about you or your feelings. I needed to I needed to listen to you carefully about everything that was going on with you and all of the mistakes you'd made and all of the people that you'd hurt so that I could tell other people and make myself feel better. You'd never guess what she did, you know. And and I I got to be that person. I got to be I got to use it, those things as a tool. Um, you know, I got to be narcissistic to make myself feel better. I got to eat and make myself fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter to make myself feel big and important. I chose extracurricular activities and ultimately a career where I got to stand up in front of a lot of people and have them applaud for me. 
that was a big deal to me. That made me feel bigger and more important. Sadly, in a really unhealthy way, because every time somebody gave me that attention, I felt worse. I didn't feel better. I was just, I, I, I wanted so much to feel better, and I would go to so many lengths to feel better, and none of them worked. You know, I mean, none of them worked. It's so interesting. It just, I tried so hard. I, I you know, I did well at, these, at some of these things. I have, like, my resume is great, you know, wahoo. And, um, you know, we, we have this, I, we're, I work for a very big company, and we often go to meetings where we don't know everybody at the meeting, or very many people at all. And we play, we often play this game where we have to, that's not really a game, I mean, you have to kind of go around and you say something unique about yourself. You say your name and where you, you know, what office you work out of or whatever. And you say something unique. Well, I have an unending supply of these, of these weird things that I've done, you know, and I did them all for the wrong reasons, you know. It's... It's kind of funny. They're completely unimportant at this point. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that as I go along, about the things that sort of gave away. Um, but so I, I, my disease progressed. This is a progressive disease. And mine progressed. I mean, I got, you know, I look at pictures of myself as a little kid when I thought I was just enormous, when I thought I weighed 500 pounds. And I was like 20 pounds overweight. You know, but I was just, that self-talk was just rolling and rolling and rolling through my head about how fat and stupid and ugly I, I was. And so it was, it was a hard, it was a hard way to live. And so, you know, what are, what are my solutions to this? Well, as a kid, my solutions run along the lines of, if I just start throwing up, I'll be thinner and people will like me more, you know. I mean, crazy craziness. Or if I just stop eating. Like, I went on fasts that weren't even like that crazy, disgusting stuff that you had to swallow, you know, that tasted so bad. I didn't, I did it with water, you know. Then I did it with that disgusting stuff you had to swallow. Then I did it with milkshakes one time and cookies one time. Like, you know, there was, like, I... I loved not eating. I loved the control of not eating. I loved the... I, I didn't love uh, throwing up because I had a real need to keep that food. I needed the comfort. You know, I had that sort of very primal from very early on. That was the only thing that made me feel good. So I needed the food. It was very rough for me to throw up or use laxatives and stuff. But the narcissism got to me, and I did that for a year or two. And um, the anorexia was... You know, along the way, it was two or three years, and it was a, it was a big deal. It was hair falling out, can see my ribs, that kind of anorexia. It was it was big time, um, and I ate the same exact thing every single day for months and months and months and months and months, and I just had total control over over everything, and that somehow made me feel better, you know, but not because everything was sort of designed to make me feel better, but not. I mean, when I was this little kid who was not really aware and didn't have the mental faculties that an adult has, I, I developed certain ideas about the world. I, I thought that, that no, because my mother didn't value me, I thought that nobody in the world would ever value me. Um, I thought that everybody would ignore me, you know? And so, and so I lived my life right up well into program with the slightest hint from any of you that you weren't valuing me 
or you were somehow indifferent to me, I exploded. I did, I either, one way or the other, I mean, in hate and anger and, and you name it, or in desperately trying to please you, to convince you to value me or to, or to pay attention to me. And those were recurring themes in my life. I had to get outside help for that, um, it, it, it's, which I now reinforce with program, though. I mean, everything comes back to program. So it was, it was just a roller coaster of anorexia, bulimia, overeating, gaining 100 pounds, losing 100 pounds, going on diets, finding a solution, trying to impress people, trying to make people love me. They never did. You know, it, it just was an unbelievable experience that I, it's, it's so a part of me. This is only seven years ago that I weighed, you know, 500 pounds. I mean, it's, it's, I remember it well. It's not like I, I, I turned the corner and walked away from it. I, boy, do I, boy, do I remember it. Um, it was subhuman existence, I guess. It was not really life. But I didn't know what life was because I had to come here and find out. So, um, ultimately, I did come here. Um, I, I had um, and cut out an article by a therapist um, that was sitting on my desk. I worked at home. I had ordered my life so that I could weigh 500 pounds and make a living. I worked at home, and I did my thing, and um, everything was fine. Um, <laughs> or so I Really, 
no, I had no idea. I mean, I, I couldn't ask people to do stuff. I didn't have that kind of friend. I didn't have that kind of support. But I just, again, there was God somehow in there. Looking back on it, there was God. So I did that. And so back to the freedom theme. The freedom that I found in early recovery when I, when I came into the program was all about being really rigid, black and white, following the rules. Like, that was freedom to me. That's how I got through the day. That's how I lost hundreds of pounds. I was very, I mean, my thinking was very black and white. Like, it's either right or it's wrong. It's either yes or it's no. There was no gray area anywhere in my thinking or my actions. I followed my meal plan exactly. I had a nutritionist. I actually still have the same nutritionist today. Um, who gave me a meal plan. I followed it. It was based on exchanges. Um, I did that exactly. I weighed things that she told me to weigh when she told me not to weigh things. You know, she told me to weigh things for, for a certain amount of time and then got to know how big that portion was because then I could be free of the black and white thinking. Well, as if, you know. I mean, I was completely rigid. Um, I, I loved controlling things. Um, when I got to sponsor, when I was new, fairly new in, in recovery, people were sort of attracted by the big weight loss. And um, I had sponsees, and I would just tell them what to do, and I would control them. And um, it was it was just it was where I was. That was freedom for me because I was I was alive. You know, that was the only concept of freedom that I could come up with at that point was to be was to completely control my environment and to follow every rule obsessively and to and you know and I was really good at that. Like I could, I get that. I get how to do that. And I got a little more arrogant. I started to speak at meetings and I started to sponsor a bunch of people and I, I started to think I had this thing figured out, you know, and that was, and I didn't, you know, to simplify that, I didn't have it figured out, but I thought I did, and I thought that the solution was to go to less meetings, to exercise less, and to see the shrink less, because I was seeing a shrink at that time, that same shrink, and um, it was, uh, it was inevitable that I would find myself in a predicament, <laughs> and my predicament was that I gained 63 pounds in about two months. Um, it was, it didn't take long for me to progress from thinking I was pretty cool to eating up the storm. Like, it, it just, it's insane. This is a progressive illness. Like, one day away from, you know, from God, I realize, in retrospect, and the whole disease just opens itself up and flowers all around me and is huge. So, I, you know, I didn't really know what to do except what had worked in the past. And I had three years of abstinence at that point, and I'd lost over 200 pounds. And um, I didn't know what to do, but I did what I did before, which is I called up that shrink that I had originally called up, and I said, I think I might be having a relapse. You know, I mean, there were pints of Swedish confections in my freezer <laughs> in various flavors, and yet I 
And the second time she saw me, she said, you have a choice. I'm going to give you a, a black and white choice because that seems to work for you. Here's your black and white choice. Go to rehab or get abstinent today. And, um, and so I chose, I, you know what? I was too cheap. I was just like, you know what? I don't want to spend another $30,000, uh, you know. I would like to, um, I would like to actually do this. I would actually like to surrender and actually work this program, which little did I know that I had not worked it during the first three years. But again, I was sort of expressing the kind of, the only kind of freedom that I understand uh, or understood at that time, which was rigid control. So now I learned the hard way that I needed to let go and let God, you know. I mean, I had worked the steps. In fact, that's part of my black and white rigidity. I had worked the steps over and over and over and over again during those three years of absence. I think four times, if I'm not mistaken, all the way through writing, you know, sponsorship, you know, the whole schmear. And, um, now I lost where I was. Um, and I'll do that often. Being for, B47 is so unique um, that I forget where I am half the time. And I talk to other people that are in their 40s, and they're like, oh, yeah, that happens to me all the time. Like, oh, my God, thank God I don't have Alzheimer's. Although I might. I mean, who knows? Um, God has a plan. Um, so uh, I was talking about the rigidity and, and all of that. Um, and ultimately, my solution in coming back was, oh, talk about God. <laughs> That's a good topic. Uh, let me talk about God.
weighed the same weight for two years. This is the first two-year period of my 46 and three-quarters years of life that I've ever weighed the same for two years in a row, you know, within about a 10-pound range. It's the first time that's ever happened in my entire life. I mean, I had dramatic weight shifts pretty much my whole life since I was, you know, since I got to be whatever, like 10 years old. I mean, there was, when I started dieting, let's put it that way, which is maybe 12, um, there were dramatic weight shifts up and down and up and down and up and down. There was no freedom at all. It was hell. It was prison. It was either I was eating and eating and eating and eating and eating, or I was not eating and not eating and not eating and not eating. It was just a nightmare. I, and I must believe in God because this isn't the weight that I had always obsessed that would be the weight that I would stay at for two years. It, it was, it would look, it would look different from this. And I was one of those dieters all along who was like, okay, I lost 3.7 pounds this week, 3.7 times 52, <laughs> and that times two years, and I have this amount of weight to lose, and I'm going to be skinny on February 4th, you know, 1987. And, um, I, I don't do that anymore. I mean, that's, that's what freedom looks like today. Today, this is the weight I am, this is the weight that I've been for two years. Tomorrow, I might wake up and there may be some whole other God's plan working for me. I have no idea and I don't care. Uh, today, I get to weigh what I weighed yesterday and I get to eat samely and I get to show up. I get to be a good friend. Um, I get to practice these principles in all my affairs. I, um, that beating myself up thing that I learned in childhood persists probably today a little bit, but I catch myself every once in a while I just have a huge revelation. I practice these principles today in all my affairs. I practice steps 10, 11, and 12 all, all throughout the day. I don't have a time when I sit down and meditate in the morning or in the evening or whatever. I meditate throughout the day. I really honestly do. I mean, I'm not even lying. <laughs> I do it. Um, I make amends in the moment. I don't have to do a 10th step, but sometimes I do. And I mean, I do reflect upon my day, but I don't do it at 10.02 p.m. Monday through Friday and at 11.02 on Saturday and Sunday. I do it throughout the day. And when I, you know, screw up, I say so. And it has been incredibly effective. Like, who knew that that would get me promoted three times in three years at work? Who knew that me being imperfect and saying so, rather than me being imperfect and lying and blaming it on somebody else, would work? Because that isn't what I learned when I was a kid. That isn't. I learned it here. It was, you know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I'll tell you about my driving. You know, my driving, when you, have, when you have that childhood script that says that you have no value and everybody's indifferent to you, and, and it, it means everybody's trying to get in front of you <laughs> in a car. And you better drive faster than them, and you better drive, you better cut them off, because they, what if they get in front of you? <laughs> what if they win? <laughs> you know, and I don't do that anymore, but... I will give a caveat to that because, you know, I'm a person who had a, who had a road rage accident. I hit somebody who cut me off. And I was in program when I did it. And it wasn't that recently, thank God. It wasn't like yesterday. Uh, it was a few years ago. But um, I jumped out of the car 
when I, when I hit this guy's car and I shook his hand and I said, you know what, I take total responsibility for my part in this. That's what I said when I hit the guy, when I had the most extreme road rage that I have ever had. Like I thought I was going, I was gonna, my head was going to explode. And I got out of the car and I shook the guy's hand and I said, I take total responsibility for my part in this. You know, and whether he took responsibility for his part in it or not was unimportant. It would have been nice if he had, but it was none of my, it was not none of my business. My only business, and I learned it here, was to take responsibility for my part in it. And I did that. My insurance paid for it. My, you know, I dealt with it. And if my insurance had dropped me, I would have been, I would have gone out and found other insurance. Because I take responsibility for what I do now. So, um, that's my driving story. That's, uh, that's a little scary. Um, uh, but I, I, um, I forgive myself for my shortcomings. I like to drive fast. And I drive fast, and the consequences are I could get a speeding ticket for that. And I drive fast today, and I, I do it. Um, and I don't do it at the expense of cutting other people off or pissing or tailgating or all those road rage things. That's what I let go of. That's where I am today. Who knows where I'll be tomorrow? Maybe I'll be driving like a grandma tomorrow. I have no idea. But, um, but I like to drive fast, and I recognize that. And you know what? I love myself. I accept that about myself. I accept that that's where I am today. And that is huge for somebody who told himself that he was fat, stupid, ugly, wrong, bad, ridiculous, ugly, you know, I mean, all these things my whole life. I don't, I don't have to judge myself on that. I don't have to judge myself on, oh, I, I, where I was going when I was talking about the steps and how I live in 10, 11, and 12, and I try to practice these principles, and I try to be of service, and I, you know what I mean, I try to do what I can, is that my sponsor, my current sponsor, and I, when I, when I came back from relapse, I changed sponsors. And my current sponsor works the steps in a particular way that I don't really get a lot out of. And I absolutely have tried to work on individual steps with them and have kind of gotten, you know, kind of gotten zip out of it. And uh, what I've done the past probably year is work these steps myself on a daily basis, but haven't written, you know, and done all of that. I beat myself up about that for months. I have to say, I thought that I was on a slip, slide, and trail to oblivion and relapse because I didn't particularly cotton to the way that he was doing it. And um, what I, it, it hit me like a revelation a little while ago that what I'm doing is perfect for today. Everything is exactly as it's meant to be. And the fact that I can practice these principles in all my affairs today is a blessing. Is that, the, is that the answer for the rest of my life? I doubt it. I don't think so. I think I'm going to dig in and work the steps sometime pretty soon. But right now, I'm not writing on the steps. And you know what? That's, I, I have to forgive myself for that. You know? I mean, and the accepting myself for who I am today is what freedom really is. It took until I was 47 years old for me to understand that freedom meant that. I thought it meant so many other things along the way. I thought it meant controlling people. I thought it meant gossiping about people. I thought it meant eating. I thought it meant making myself big and important and special. And it just meant loving myself exactly for who I am and accepting God's will today and every day. I mean, who knew? 
Who knew? I would have had no concept of that. I have such a close connection with God now. I have such a happy life. I am the person that I described in the beginning. Like, I was born as a person that was kind of outgoing and, you know, um, just sort of upbeat. Like, I'm really not a negative person. I don't enjoy gossiping and talking. Oh, actually, I enjoy everybody enjoys gossiping. But I don't really want to hear, like, a lot of negative stuff. I mean, I want to hear some good, fun gossip, you know, about what Angelina Jolie is doing now, you know? Like, that's my kind of gossip. Um, And uh, I don't need to use gossip as a hammer, you know? I don't need it to make myself feel anything. Or maybe I do. Maybe I'm just deluding myself. Whatever. It doesn't even matter. (laughs) Whatever it is, I accept it. Um, And here I am. I I, I have less than three years at this point of back-to-back absence, and I have less than seven years in program. I'm like a baby at this. I mean, I can't even fathom what a new freedom and a new happiness is going to look like five years from now or ten years from now or 20 or 30. I know it's going to look totally different. It looks totally different today as it did from a year ago or five years ago or seven years ago. And um, so I'm looking forward to how it all unfolds. I don't think this is it, but this is it for today. This is this is who I am today, and I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. You know, I'm, I, I'm thrilled to be alive. I would definitely not be alive. And this is such a good place to be alive. I mean, I'm, I'm not just existing, breathing. You know, I'm alive. It's, it's awesome. So I think I have five minutes left, and I would love to entertain a couple of questions if I could. Happy to do it. Right, so the, the question is, um, 
how did I sort of let go of what I know about nutrition and, and actually learn from outside people? And the, 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 I mean, you almost answered your own question because I had to turn this over to somebody else. That's another theme in my recovery is that, like, you know, when when something goes wrong and I need to get outside help for something that I'm that I think I know about but probably don't, like nutrition or like a, I've had to call a lawyer for a situation. I've had to call you know various outside help. Um, I've had to call the shrink. I had to call the nutritionist. And ultimately, I went to the nutritionist and said, I am a champion dieter. I know everything. And she said, no, you don't listen to me. And I said, okay. And so it was literally, I literally found somebody who specialized in eating disorders. I researched her carefully. I, found, I interviewed her, and she was the right person for me. And I, like I said, I still see her today. And, um, and she told me some things. And, she's, and, and now today she says, you know what? You need to cut down on, on your decaf coffee. Decaf coffee? Like, that's like, there's nothing in that. I can't cut down on that, you know. But, yeah, I'll do whatever she says. And, um, she, you know, she tweaks things and changes things. And I'm just like, you know, and um, and I say okay because because I am not. I mean, ultimately, my my ego and my knowledge about nutrition got me to 500 pounds, and so uh, I had to. I had to, unfortunately had to say, all right, I'm going to turn that one over. Just like sadly, most things in my life. We're okay. With that? Okay, in the back. How did you? You talked about so many things that have been running out of my head for like 35 years. You know, how did you, the control of, because there was a time when I was 5, 6, and the age grade and weighed 238 pounds. You know, and, and, but, but prior to that, I was maybe 80 pounds dripping wet. You know what I mean? Trying to find a successful thing. You know, not only among my peers, but also among my family. How did you get free from your whole, I'm not going to eat, control, something, anything? Because, because, because now that I've been on both extreme ends of the spectrum, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to find some comfort within my own body and, 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 and it's still driving me crazy. Because, I, I mean, literally, first it was just too small, then it's too big, now it's too small again. And I'm 44 years old, and this time just live. Right, so the question is how to get relief from the obsession. And there's only one way that I ever have been able to figure out in my whole life, in the whole world, and that's to work the steps with a sponsor. Um, I think one by one, you know, over and over and over until I, until I finally got it, I had to go through a relapse to get it. I, had to, I, I went through a long journey to get that freedom, but it, it, it came from the steps of Overeaters Anonymous. That's, that's the answer. 